Welcome to the special Tuesday edition of Indie Matters. I'm your host, Joey Lovato, and on this episode, editor John Ralston sits down with Gene Karpinski, head of the League of Conservation Voters, and Andy Maggie, head of the Nevada Conservation League, to chat about the 2020 candidates' approach to the subject of climate change while they're on the campaign trail and what it means for the state. All right, gentlemen, let's talk about the, the, the topic that I know you is uppermost in your mind, and that's climate change. And, and, and let me start uh, with you, Gene. And I'm really curious. Uh, this must be so frustrating for you. You see all these polls, Democratic primary voters it's in the 70s, I think they consider it. Highest a, numbers uh, ever. Highest numbers ever. And I, and, and I follow every one of these debates on Twitter, the, the, the debates, and you suddenly see people going, why is nobody asking about climate change? Why are they not talking? about it. I think once in a while, maybe Bernie will, will, will bring it up. But why do you think there is not more? You have to be frustrated by the lack of discussion. So there's good news and bad news. First of all, the climate crisis is worse than ever before. We know that and we get reminded of it every day. Um, and the good news, as you, as you said, John, is the polling shows that Democratic primary voters, it's now in the top tier. It's either first or second or third, depending on the poll and depending on state, but it's right up there, which is great. And so the public's waking up because they see it happening. Every, in basically every state in the country. And the good news on the candidates is they actually have the boldest plans they've ever had. And almost every one. And I give credit to Jay Inslee, who's no longer in the race, but he was a, I call him the greenest governor. When he got in the presidential race, he put a very bold, aggressive plan out. And basically now every other candidate said, I'm with, I'm with that plan and even trying to be a little better. So the good news is the plans are there. The bad news is they're not yet talking about it as much as they should be to the voters. They're not yet, most of them are not yet ready to answer the question, well, if you're president, what are you going to do on day one and day 10? And is this really one of your top priorities? And frankly, as you suggested, I think the media has just done a mediocre job at best. Remember, no, Did the, I suggest that? Did <laughs> I'm I suggest suggesting that okay. at best. <laughs> okay. Remember, in the 2016 right. general election, right. not a single question on climate was there. And, um, so at least there have been a couple questions in a couple debates. You know, CNN, to their credit, did a forum just on climate back in September. To their detriment is embarrassing and shameful, frankly, that they co-hosted the, the debate this week and not a single question on climate. That's disgusting. That's embarrassing. And so I think actually I think 11, 11 candidates over the course of the last couple of times said climate, but they weren't asked about it. So they try to work it in, but it's up to the media. It's up to the candidates to lean into this like the voters want to hear it. And it's up to the media to actually sharpen and push those questions. And I know you'll do that. And I, and I know you've got an event coming up. And so... Sharpen the questions. Make them talk about it. Thank you for promoting our November 8th forum Love here at the, at the Smith Center. I, I already like you. <laughs> uh, but but uh, let me let me let Andy uh, piggyback off of this, and we'll talk a little bit about Nevada in, in a second. But just generally, everything Gene said is true, but I'm still uh, – puzzled as to why that occurs. I mean, I think a lot of people in the media, including the people who have moderated these debates, know about the issue. Is it just it's, it's not sexy enough of an issue yet? You know, they want to talk about impeachment. They want to find out about what their differences are on health care or Medicare for all. And it's just kind of boring to talk about climate change. Is that is that what it is? Well, I don't think it's boring to talk about uh, climate I know, but change. I'm so... <laughs> I, 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 I know. Uh, but it, I... I I don't think it's boring. I, I think we're we're con consistently in a place where we're responding to new things, and uh, it does make it tough uh, for folks to get questions in because they want to be responsive, learn what the new thing is. But I think it's really important. Nevadans haven't forgot about climate change, and I think that's where 
this is really the rubber hits the road on this on this issue is that Nevadans and voters have not forgotten about climate change. They didn't forget about it in 2018, and they're not going to forget about it in 2020. And so I think um, while we're constantly looking at new things popping up, this administration has been no shortage of, of new news opportunities. Uh, an issue like climate change time and time again, as Gene pointed out, is in the top one or two issues for voters. Uh, in Nevada, that's true. It's true of Democrats. It's true of primary voters. It's true of most voters. So, and in a state that's feeling the impacts, you know, we've proven that this is a winning issue here. So, you know, if you want to win, uh, you want to be seen as a champion on this issue and you want to be talking about it. So, You really think you've shown it's a, a winning issue? I mean, just because candidates you've supported have won, is, is that why you think that? Well, I think they've won on talking about clean energy and climate. I don't think it's just that, like, we've picked the right candidates and we've supported them. Governor Sisolak, during his campaign, committed to rejoining the Paris Climate climate Agreement. He committed to expanding the renewable portfolio standard and putting us on a pathway to 100% clean energy. He, We talked about how his opponent, Adam Laxalt, was a Koch brother-supported candidate that didn't uh, believe in climate change and wanted to roll back protections at the federal level. So, And those are things that he did when he was attorney general. So it's not just that like, hey, NCL makes some good choices sometimes when we support candidates, but those candidates are running. Every legislative candidate ran on clean energy. They're talking about their record on clean energy. And, and so they're winning on this issue. And the bill that passed uh, in, in Nevada passed with huge bipartisan uh, s- support. So even even uh, Republicans are starting to see this. But but I think the language is important too, Gene. Mm-hmm. You know, I see I see people mocking this this term that the climate change is an existential threat to the which by the way, you can make a pretty good argument. That, that that it is, no but but people are. It's easy to kind of lampoon that. Oh, they're exaggerating. They're making it sound like it's going to be like that. The movie, the day after tomorrow, tomorrow, and so they can they can mock you. And then I think that undercuts maybe the right. substance of the issue. So language is important in political language matters. Debates. And you're right. And so, but one of the other things that's happened is the science. The science has been clearer. And the scientists themselves have actually been sharper. They used to talk about, well, this is the kind of thing that may happen in the future. Now they're saying, this is happening. It's now. Humans are causing it. And they'll talk, and very specific events they'll attribute to this climate crisis. So the crisis is real. And no matter what state you're in, whether you're, if you're in California seeing the wildfires or the droughts, all the candidates are in Iowa, you know, overflowing rivers from torrential, torrential rains. Heatways, Miami streets are streets are flooded. State, I was just in New Hampshire. The maple syrup industry getting decimated. The tourist industry on the coast getting decimated. So, people are now seeing real impacts, not just in the future, but now. And therefore, the language, the important thing to focus on is what are the impacts that people are seeing. More kids going to hospitals because of asthma attacks, because of heat waves in the city. So in place after place after place, there are real problems that people are not just reading about that might happen in the future, but are happening in their communities. And that's what helps sharpen the conversation. And that's why, you know, go back to in Nevada, though, I think Leader Reed, back in his 2010 race, was one of the first candidates who said, this is the future economy. And he understood and campaigned on the fact that the new jobs of the future are in clean energy is one of the key places. And the wind and the solar and the geothermal, that is the future. And so that's a part of the narrative. It's good for our economy. 
it's good for our health, and it's good to save the planet. Uh, Harry Reid almost single-handedly ended the, the, the fossil fuel plants in this state. And he changed NV Energy's approach, mm -hmm. not just uh, you know substantively on their on their plants, but in the legislature, uh, they essentially joined on a bill. You may be too young. Were you there then? And you may be too I young to remember. I wasn't into that yet. Yeah, 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 yeah you know about, about that about story. That I, was, I know the story that was well. Something, that was yeah. really uh, something to watch. But 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 I guess. Uh, wildfires, when they occur here or, or in California, you can actually, and people talk about it, making the connection right. to climate change. But do you think regular folks are, are, are making that connection? Is there yes. evidence of that yet? I think absolutely yes. And that's why you see, and like I said, and again, there are still 20% of the public that's in the denier camp, includes the guy who's in the White House, which is pretty disgusting. But, and those who, those who get all their news from Fox News and Rush Limbaugh. They're still in the denier camp, but that's a shrinking part of the population. And the fact that in the Democratic primary voters, it's the first or second issue, that's exactly what you said. It's because they're seeing it. They're making those connections. They're seeing wildfires. They're seeing droughts. They're seeing torrential rains. They're seeing heat waves. They're seeing streets flooded. They're seeing intense storms. And, they're, and the media is helping to draw that connection, not as much as they should, but they're helping it. And people are getting it. And again, the younger you are, the more you care about this issue, because you actually grew up being educated on it. And so there's an intensity that's just growing. Young, even, even young Republicans get this. They've been taught it in school, and, and they're learning it. And so the younger you are, the more you care about it, the more you understand it, and there's more intensity. And obviously part of the challenge for us is make sure young people get and vote next year. But this is it's, it's intensifying because people are seeing it. They've, they've learned more about it, and they're actually seeing the impacts, and they're making the connections. It, it seems to me... That, and I've thought this for years, and it's especially true now, and you talk about the shrinking kind of denier caucus right. uh, that, that's out there, that there really isn't, uh, in the overwhelming majority, any sense that it's not happening, right? It's true. The real questions that are left are, what do you do about it? What are the right policies? Uh, mm -hmm. How much are, are Americans willing to pay if they have to pay to address climate change? I'm looking at this great matrix that, mm -hmm. that, that you have yeah. of all the candidates uh, and, 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 and their plans. Uh, do you like any, any better than others? Well, like, like I said earlier, so Jay Inslee, when he got in, you know, I used to call him the greenest governor in the country, which he was. He's going to continue to be the greenest governor because he's running for his third term, which is great. But when he got into the presidential race, he really set a standard for the most aggressive plan, the most ambitious plan, and sector by sector how to get there. And he really set the bar high, set the gold standard, and most of the other candidates are coming are coming very close to that. And look, it's 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 pollution for climate that causes climate change comes from three basic places: transportation sector building sector, and the utilities. And in, and in many states now, you know, elections have consequences. And so we're stuck with the guy in the White House because of 2016 elections. But you've got governors all across this country, including here in Nevada, as Andy said, who are leaning into this issue and putting in place new policies to make sure that we have X percent clean energy from the utility sector by Y date. And so I think it's 50% by 2030 here in Nevada to make sure that we have more uh, fuel, fuel efficient cars, even though Trump's trying to stop that. Following the lead of California, more fuel-efficient cars, more electric cars, more charging stations, and in the inf and in buildings, making sure we have you know new policies that require new buildings to be much more efficient and retrofitting older buildings. And so this, those policies are happening in states; they're happening in cities. So and these are actually good for the economy. They actually ultimately are going to lower costs. We're paying the price for the pollution now. If you do this right, you're going to have new jobs, lower prices, and a better planet. 
So you are the head of the League of Conservation Voters. That's, That's the name of the group, correct? I see there is no conservation of words, though, when, 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 when uh, you are trying to dodge the question that I asked you, which is and, – and I admit, you're going to endorse eventually, right? We'll, we, we will not endorse early. We'll endorse at, you know, later in this process. We're not looking to – in 2016, we endorsed early. We actually yeah. got in for Hillary early. Right. This time we said there are way more candidates and our – our goal and our project is to make them all better on climate. Make it be a prior. Make it be a bold plan. Make it be a priority issue, and make sure you have the answers to the question. If you're John, if you're president on day one, what are you going to do? What are you going to do on day ten? How important is it? so? That's this whole campaign change to climate twenty twenty. You can check it out on our website. It's about making all the candidates have better plans, make it a bigger priority, and be ready on day one. So we're not gonna, we're not trying to endorse early. That that that's a different strategy this time. We'd rather make them all better, compete for the best plan, and let's let's see and have the voters hear about their great plans. Uh, I, I wish that this was uh, a, a video of this podcast so you could see Andy's face as he was looking at you like, how's he going to answer this one? What's he going to say? I, I, I might learn something here. I'm, I'm being some, I've been somewhat facetious. No, that's good. Uh, and you can't this, see my hands going either. Right, exactly. <laughs> but 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 this is a serious topic. But but but. Uh, I'm really curious. I mean, so you don't want to say anything about which plan you think uh, uh, is better. You just want them to yeah. be bold. You, you you want them to to address this issue in a way that they're not just paying lip service. Which, by the way, in the heat of a campaign, when everyone wants to suck up to you, is a little bit difficult, no, isn't it, it? No, it's a fair question. In fact, <laughs> when we early initially said, here's here's seven questions we asked every candidate. If you want to get up on our site and, and get the check marks, here's seven questions. Do you support a plan that's 100% clean energy by no later than 2050? Do you support a plan that pays attention to the, to the racial justice considerations about the impacts on communities of color that climate change has? Do, will you stop taking any fossil fuel money? So it was a set of questions, and basically every candidate checked yes to all of those, which is great, That's and I wouldn't have bet that, frankly, six months ago, but they're competing because they all want to be on the right side of this issue because they, they know it's a winner. they can say anything during a campaign. You've been around for a while. You know they can say anything you want to hear. Isn't that happening to you, Andy, that they've said what you want to hear during a campaign? Campaigns can be that way, but I think the I think this is where this is the important thing in in this in this conversation is one we've never seen this many candidates running for president to have the type of plans that they're putting out this early in the campaign cycle. So that's that's number one. And as as Gene has pointed out a couple times, the plans are important. We, we want them to have something on paper that they can talk about, that they can show, uh, that that people can ask questions about, dig into find the differences, make decisions on who they're going to vote for on this issue. But but the real important thing is it's those it's those other two pieces that Gene talked about in this context is are they talking about it when they're campaigning? Are they coming to Nevada and doing events uh, where they're leaning into clean energy, climate, right, having those conversations on the ground? And do they have a clear articulated plan for what happens on on day one, right? And that's where we're going to see um, which candidates are really are really going to prioritize uh, the execution of this piece, right? I, I think that's to your your point, John, which is, you know, anyone can have a plan, but we need we need to know who's going to say on day one, I'm going to sign the executive order that puts us back in Paris. I'm going to sign the executive order that says, you know, we're going to we're going to put this plan together. We're going to do this thing that I can do executively. Um, we're going to restore the protections that the Trump administration has rolled back. Uh, so it's it's absolutely critical that that those pieces follow. And I think on the ground in Nevada, 
that's where we are looking to see these candidates step up, right? Those are the pieces that we have not seen as boldly and aggressively as, as we, we are hoping for. And I think so. it's up to us as institutions, all the volunteers and our members of our groups to kind of basically hold them accountable to what they said they're going to do. And I'll give another shout out to your upcoming forum. When, when candidates come and have those conversations, push them and make sure, is it really one of your top three things? You, what are you going to do if you actually become president? So it, we, we challenge the media to make that part of their conversation. Well, we will do so. And uh, I, I, I miss regularly interviewing people, but I'm really lo looking forward uh, to that. And people great. could see could see me rubbing my hands together with glee. <laughs> but, 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 but even if you look at this matrix, and I, and I urge people to go, go look uh, uh, on your site and, right. and to look at this, some of the candidates have more general kinds of comments than others. They're committed to it. They're going to get other international leaders. Others say specifically uh, uh, what they're going to do. When AOC proposed the Green New Deal, mm -hmm. did, did that, was that helpful or did that polarize the discussion, do you think? We support the Green New Deal. We helped it elevate the debate in a way that wouldn't have otherwise happened. And again, the Green New Deal is aspirational. There's not all the detail. Many of these candidates' plans have way more detail than the Green New Deal, by definition, and that's okay. Right. But I think she helped set a bar of ambition. She helped raise the conversation about it and had candidates, you know, talking about how much they're supporting it, but then forced them, in essence, helped force them, and a lot of other things did as well, to be specific. How do you get there? What's that mean? What are you going to do about the transportation industry? What are you going to do about the power sector? What are you going to do about buildings to, to really get the job done? And so that was a great part of the conversation. And I give her a lot of credit. And frankly, the Sunrise Movement and a lot of other young people, as I said, young people are driving this conversation more than ever before. We were happy to host the folks who were in D.C. leading the climate strike in D.C. There'll be more climate strikes. Greta's done amazing work. Voices are being raised that we've never heard before. We need to make sure whoever that next president is, that he or she has got a bold plan, has made it a priority, and is leaning into it from day one. It's it's terrible that this happens in a political world. You mentioned Greta, and, and, and you mentioned yep. AOC. It's the attempt to kill the message by killing the messenger, or lampooning the messenger, whether it's a young kid or, or a young congresswoman who may, you know, she's, she's still... The different use of this word green in a mm. different way, right? And and so that that undercuts what you're trying to do to some so extent, no, no, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, but no, but that's look who's trying to do that. The jerk in the White House and the fossil fuel companies that support his efforts. They need they're trying to keep their business model alive for as long as they can. The oil companies, the coal companies, the natural gas companies. Every year that they can delay is a, is a year that's more, you know, more, more profits for them. They're the ones that are doing these outrageous kind of conversations. The vast majority of the public, again, supports this issue, knows that these solutions make sense, embrace the Green New Deal. It's, you know, I mean, look, Trump will call it socialist. That's just BS. We know that. He'll call everything socialist. That's just BS to his base. But that's not how he's going to win. So I, we're confident the more this conversation occurs at the present, when we get the nominee, I mean, there's never really been a debate in the actual general election on this issue. Not only did the press stop and didn't answer in the in the own in the debates, but the candidates never leaned into it. John McCain actually against Obama in 2008 was pretty good on climate back then. He really was. 2012 wasn't discussed. 2016 barely discussed. We're hoping that in 2020, whoever the nominee is, he or she has the bold plan. Is actually going to use it as part of the conversation to defeat 
the climate denier in the White House. I want Andy to jump in, <clears throat> excuse me, in a second on Nevada, but I want to ask you one final question yeah. on this, and we'll discuss uh, Nevada for, for, for a few minutes. And, and gosh, there's so much media bashing going on on this podcast. I'm, I'm really hurt, <laughs> hurt personally. I'm, I'm, I'm almost brought to tears. I wish people could see it. But, 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 John, you do a hell of a job. <laughs> but, 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 seriously, but seriously, so... There's going to have to be a fair amount, you, if, if this goes the way you, you hope it's going to go, of truth-telling and maybe mm-hmm. some hard truths. Mm-hmm. And, and I want you to address two things. People are going to have to change their behavior in general, right, to address climate change, whether it's in, in the kind of car they drive, how much they drive, how much they how they get around. But is people want to know, what's this going to cost me? Isn't that any policy? You talk about health care. You talk about anything. It's what's this going to cost me? How should candidates be addressing those issues? So let's be honest with – so the industry argument against any kind of change has always been this is it's – a, it's a job killer and it's going to cost you lots of money. The state – like I said, 13 states in the last nine months have put in place very aggressive policies because those attacks on the policies are no longer true. This is the jobs of the future. These are the clean energy. This is the new economy. And the costs of solar and wind are now below. You're not seeing new coal plants. You're not seeing, um, you know, because the cost, it doesn't work from an economic perspective. And so the costs of wind and solar are way down. The curves are bending in a way that actually the cost argument is no longer, I mean, people might say it. Trump will still say it, the, the deniers will still say it, the polluters will still say it, but the facts are otherwise. So it's on us to make it clear the facts, you know, the facts are out there in terms of, and you know, you're going to see electric cars that are basically the same cost as we get the market bigger and bigger as, as, a few, as the gas, gas cars that we, that we use today. And we're going to see it, we're, you know, we're going to get to electric cars in this country. The question is how quickly. So you just have to drive those markets. The claims about jobs and costs are now false. And it's up to us, it's up to, us to make sure that people hear that. And they, but they're beginning to see it. They're beginning to see it. You know, it's interesting, Andy. Envy Energy, you mentioned the example. Uh, and, they, and they see it. Right, Go well, ahead. Yeah, as I said, the forced enlightenment uh, uh, for Envy for Energy. But, but, but I guess, Andy, let's talk about Nevada and, and the evolution, so to speak, uh, in Nevada. I mean, when I first started covering politics here, which was, you know, uh, 35 years ago, believe it or not, the environmental movement was was basically a fringe movement. No one talked that much about it. No one, no one paid much attention to it if you were in politics until Yucca Mountain came up, and that became essentially the only environmental issue in Nevada. But the issue of renewable energy and solar energy, and I'd like to tell this story real quickly. When Barack Obama was running for president and I interviewed him, and, and he said, he whoever he was with, I forget who it was, Pluff or someone, they said, we were flying in and we said, how come there are not solar panels on every rooftop? You got 325 days of sun, sunshine here. Do you sense that even in the relatively short time that you've been here, Andy, that there has been a, a, a change? I know there's a lot of Democrats now in the legislature, and that's helpful, and you have yeah. a Democratic government. But has there been a change in the thinking on all of this? Yeah, I, I th- absolutely. And I think that's why it's been such a politically salient issue and why you've seen people like the governor, like the legislature, take it up own it uh, and really lead uh, by being champions from a policy perspective on these issues. Um, I think the rooftop solar, so I I came into Nevada right as the rooftop solar decisions were being made at the PUCN, and I think that was really a watershed moment because- That's the Public Utilities Commission for those of us who are not geeks. (laughs) Uh, But that really put that issue, put clean energy, put climate front and center in people's minds, right? And 
that has been continuing ever since. So you, you have that very direct thing about whether people can choose how they're going to get reimbursed for their solar panels on their roof. We go through that, and that really opens up a conversation around clean energy generally because Governor Sandoval, to his credit, you know, wasn't the greenest governor in the country like Jay Inslee, but probably the greenest Republican in the country while while he was he was in office. And he used clean energy, innovative technologies as a roadmap to helping us get out of the economic recession, right? He he looked at that as a way to diversify our economy, build growth. Nevadans saw that happen, right? They they saw that Tesla. happen. Tesla, they saw Tesla happen. They saw the solar panels going up on rooftops. They saw Envy Energy making bigger investments in clean, renewable energy, those projects going up in the desert. And so uh, Nevadans have seen this benefit them economically, right? We talk about that, which means elected officials or decision makers know that this is an issue Nevadans are keyed in on. They're paying attention to it, and they need to take action on it. And now we're starting to see that recognition going from just the economic impacts to Southern Nevada is already a pretty hot place. Well, every last summer for the last several years has been the hottest summer on record in Southern Nevada. In the last three years, we've had a five-fold increase in heat-related deaths, uh, mostly in North Las Vegas and, and other parts of, of uh, here in Clark County. Everyone can see the bathtub ring around Lake Mead. They know water. Water is continuing to be an issue, and they've watched the largest wildfires in our state's history burn over the last two summers. Wasn't there a study that showed Las Vegas is the fastest warming city the in, fastest, in the country? Fastest warming city in the country. And Reno is in the top five. Right. Right. So so the two biggest cities in, in Nevada are the fastest growing places in the country. That is, uh, you know, the impacts of that alone, um, like we talked about heat deaths, we talked about increased asthma rates, every uh, environmental disease that, that you can encounter that can be impacted by, you know, pollution is made worse when it's hotter heart disease, lung disease, asthma, all those things. And so Nevadans, so right, they saw the the economic piece. Now they're very, as it gets worse every year, they're keyed in on that too. All right. So I, I know you want to, okay, go ahead and jump in no, real just, quick, but just we have to, to wrap this just up. Just to reinforce that. So you talk about the, the industry will claim increased costs. The costs of inaction, which is what we're seeing now, are just way more substantial, whether it's, you know, um, health health impacts, destroying communities, having to rebuild those communities, the impacts of the wildfires, all these things. We're just paying right now way more than we would with the clean energy economy. So that we just have to get there quicker. Let me just ask you a pure uh, campaign uh, politics uh, question. I don't think people really realize how active you were in Nevada in the last cycle. I get my reporter who checked all this stuff. The League of Conservation Voters has another buy. That, I mean, you guys spent, I think, millions here. We're, uh, we're very, in fact, since Andy started here in Nevada in 2016, we actually started a Chispa Nevada uh, project here in Nevada in 2015. So in the last few years, we we invested in the Senate race for Catherine Cortez Masto back in 2016, about $5 million. Right. To help, and helped to uh, elect a lot more pro-environment legislatures, both uh, there. And then in 2018, similarly, about $5 million split split between uh, Jackie Rosen and, and, your and your new governor. And both of them are champs in their own right. So, yes, we've been a major investor, and we're proud of that, and we've built a— Big membership on the ground, and people are engaged and active, and and very much, and because it's because it's a state that can actually lead the nation. So thank you very much for doing that. Yeah. Uh, the, um, a big chunk of that five million dollars that was used to pay Andy's salary. Am I right? I don't. Well, I wouldn't say a big chunk. <laughs> I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a big chunk. Uh, no, but we look of, of the investment. Look, we we have we have an incredible partner with the League of Conservation Voters here in Nevada. But you know, we in 2018 we knew 
uh, that the next governor couldn't be someone that was going to veto the renewable portfolio standard. We knew that the next governor couldn't be someone that was going to veto community solar, which were bills that passed in 2017 that, you know, even though Sandoval might have been the greenest Republican governor in the country, he's, those are two bills that he vetoed. Um, that's why, you know, NCL working with LCV, like we needed to make three and a half million dollars of investment in the governor's race. We needed to make sure that the legislature came back, had a strong majority because the legislature had already proven that they would deliver the policies that were going to take action on climate and clean energy. We needed a governor that was going to support that. So, you know, I think that's that's what NCL, that's what LCV is really focused on. Gene, Gene likes to say, uh, and so I'm going to borrow your line, is elections have consequences. And elections have consequences because who's making decisions for our air and water matter. You guys coming in here big next year for any reason, for the presidential, for congressional, so, to help yeah. Andy uh, like to get a supermajorities in both houses? What, what, what it's obviously early, yeah. but like you said, we've made major investments in Nevada the last couple of times. I'm sure we're going to be here. There's a lot of other places we're looking at, but Nevada's, you know, this the story about Nevada, as we've, as we've said today, is so powerful. Those elect those investments in elections that paid off in policy consequences because elections are just a strategy to win policy. It's working here. We have to make sure it keeps working. Do you want me to give you the correct answer to that question, Gene? The correct answer is you matter, John. <laughs> want to say that or not? You matter, John. Hey, that's very and good. That, and that is a perfect <laughs> way to wrap up this interview, gentlemen. Thanks for coming. I really appreciate. Great it. Thanks, to talk John. to you. Appreciate right. it. Keep it up. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this special midweek episode of Indie Matters, but worry not, we'll still have a regularly scheduled Friday show with a special guest. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast to listen to that one. If you have any comments, concerns, praise, or movie recommendations, you can email me at joey at thenvindy.com. And if you want to sponsor the podcast or indie events, email editors at thenvindy.com. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Indie Matters. I'm your host, Joey Lovato, and we'll talk to you again on Friday.